God, we are so grateful for your love and for your grace, a grace that is continually at work in our lives, even when we can't hardly see it. And God, we are grateful for Charlie and for his ministry, for his life and his witness. And God, we now pray for his continued healing. We pray that you would continue to guide the doctors and those who are working to bring about your healing touch. Bless his family as they will love, care, and support him through this time. But God, we pray that you would continue to hold them all in your loving arms. And God, we now give you the, the thanks and praise for the privilege of studying your holy word. And God, as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. I invite you to turn your Bibles, if you will. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. We've been looking over the last couple of weeks at some of those favorite verses in the Bible. Those, those scriptures that we tend to highlight are what I often refer to as underlying verses. Those parts of the Bible when you're reading through and you go, oh, that is powerful. I want to remember that. And you underline certain verses so you can find them again. You bookmark them with your apps and you, you want to be able to get back to them when you need them. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at Philippians 4.13, that powerful scripture that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And last Sunday, we looked at Romans 8.28, which is a scripture that says, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. The scripture today is one of those verses that you often see as you walk through churches and see scriptures on the wall or paintings on the wall. Some of you may even have it in your homes with some design. A lot of times you'll see the, the picture of an eagle that the wings are spread and, and you see the scripture, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I mean, what imagery? I mean, to, to have renewed strength when you've been weak and faint. To be able to fly with wings like eagles. To be able to run and, and never wear out. To be able to walk and never be faint. But, but there's another word in the scripture that I want to encourage you to, to pay attention to. And, and that's the very first word in the scripture. Sometimes it's, it's left out. Sometimes people just say, those who wait on the Lord. But, but there's another word. It's, it's the word, but. It's an important word because it's a word that says, well, this isn't just a proverb. That's a freestanding proverb that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. But, but the fact that it has the word but means it's connected to something else. There's a, there's a context here. There's something going on that led God to be able to share this with his people. What was it? 
Well, if you back up to verse 27, you begin to see a glimpse of it. If, if you want to get the whole picture, read the whole book of Isaiah. But verse 27 will begin to give you the glimpse when it says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? In other words, where are you, God, when I need you? And then you get the answer in verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, strengthens the powerless. Even youth will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This scripture was written one of the, during one of the most difficult times in Israel's history. It's during the Babylonian captivity. It's one of the darkest times because the, the children of God had been delivered out of slavery in Egypt by Moses. They had gone across the wilderness into the promised land, established this beautiful promise that God had made to Abraham. They, they experienced the promised land. They built the temple, the temple in Jerusalem, that, that beautiful reminder that God is in the midst of our city, that God is in the midst of our people, that God is in the midst of our lives. That no matter what's going on in our lives, there's God. But now they're in a time when the Babylonians had come in and, and conquered Israel. And, and not only had they conquered Judah, the southern kingdom as well, where Jerusalem, Bethlehem, and other of the cities are, but they destroyed the temple. The temple was utterly leveled, it's gone. That symbol of God's presence has been removed. And then to top it off, many of the Israelites were then taken and dispersed throughout the whole Babylonian empire. And then people from around the empire were brought back into Israel. And the hope was is that if we, if we can just disperse them, mix them up, get them away from each other, we can break their spirits, we can control them. We can control them. And their spirits are indeed breaking. They're beginning to ask questions that you may have asked at some point in your life. Questions like, has God forgotten about us? Has God turned his back on us now? I mean, the people of God had, had messed up. They, they knew they had messed up. They, they knew that, that even though God had said no other gods, they had followed other gods. And, and, and all of a sudden, you know, their, their lives had gotten totally away from who God had called them to be. And, and now they're in, in exile. Has God just turned his back? Did God go, you know what? You made the bed, lie in it. You messed up, you're on your own. You didn't want me in your life. Good luck. Is that what happened? They're worried. Has God, has God really done that? Has God really just said, I'm done? Does, does God even remember us? Will God keep His promises? Does God care anymore? God, are you there? Are you real? 
They were even asking, does God hear our, our prayers anymore? Or, or does God just let our prayers automatically roll over into voicemail? Are, are we now on the block caller list? And, and when we try to text God, it's, we're the block sender. We, God doesn't even receive anything from us anymore. Is, is that what's happening, God? Have you just totally shut us off? And then the question came as well. God, are you not able to do anything? Is this problem too big for you? Is this beyond even you? Are you really God? You see it if you look over in Psalm chapter 44, Psalm 44, verse 24, you hear the psalmist go, why do you hide your face? And why did you forget our affliction and our oppression? I mean, it's, it's a challenging time in the life of the people. The book of Isaiah is actually broken into three parts. Many scholars will argue that it's three separate books of Isaiah. There's 1st Isaiah, 2nd Isaiah, 3rd Isaiah. The first part is chapters 1 to 39. 1st Isaiah, that deals with the time before the exile. It's the warnings that God was given to the people. The second part of Isaiah, or 2nd Isaiah, is chapters 40 to 55. And this is the section of Isaiah that's while they're in captivity, while they're in bondage. And then third Isaiah is, is the last part, chapters 56 to 66, where the exiles are allowed by an edict from Cyrus to come back into the promised land and begin to rebuild the temple. So chapter 40, it's right in that section where they're in the captivity. It's, it's when they're in the valley. It's when they're going through the hard time. It's when they're wondering, God, are you real? And verse 28 begins to answer the question. Have you not heard? Have you not known? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. I mean, actually, if you want to paraphrase this, you know what it says? It says, seriously? That's what it says. Seriously? Do you not know? Have you not heard? I mean, you, you, you're the people of God. You grew up with the stories. You heard how God had delivered the children of Israel. You heard how God was constantly intervening. You heard all that God is doing in your lives. Seriously, now you're asking, is it real? Is it real? You're really wondering if, if I've never, if I've forgotten you, I mean, I can't believe what I'm hearing here. With all that I've done for you, with all that I've done in the past, you're seriously asking this question. You know, there comes times in our lives when, when we have to ask, do we really believe what we've said we believe? I mean, I, I grew up hearing in Sunday school these things. I, I grew up going to Bible school. I heard these things. I, I grew up going to, you know, the youth group. I heard the, the stories of the faith. I grew up in church, and, and every Sunday we would say, I believe in God the Father Almighty. And every Sunday we'd say, I believe in Jesus Christ. And, and we would say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I grew up doing all that. I knew all of that. But wow, when we find ourselves in the valley, when we find ourselves in captivity, when we find ourselves in a hole, then all of a sudden we have to ask ourselves, do I really believe everything I said I believe? 
Or do I really believe for myself everything that I used to tell other people they should believe when they're going through their hard time? How real will it be? So here Isaiah says, you know, God is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, and he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. I mean, this God, he, he didn't create the world and go, you know, behold, it's good. Actually, it's very good. Huh, that's neat. And then go off and leave it and go do something else. I mean, God didn't create the world and abandon it. That's what he's trying to say. Throughout all of history, you know God has been intimately involved. And why do you think God is not intimately involved right now? The God who created the world will sustain the world. The God did, who, who loved you and brought you this far is not going to abandon you now. Or for us as Christians, we know the rest of the story, and that is, do you really believe that God would go to the point of loving you enough to allow His only Son to die for you and then walk away from you now really seriously isaiah asks and then we hear verse 29 he gives power to the faint and he strengthens the powerless i mean the reason that that remembering the context is so important is because in verse 28 we heard that God does not faint or grow weary. And in verse 29 we hear, actually, He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. In other words, the reason that we can be strengthened is because we have a God who never gets weary. We have a God who never gives up. We have a God who never grows faint. We have a God who can empower me when I am at my weakest. Verse 30, even the youth will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted. And you have all these children come in and we do the blessing of the backpacks and we celebrate, you know, that the children are heading off to school. How many of you have ever, you know, looked at a child who's running and playing and going, if I only had that kind of energy. I mean, we watch these children and they just go wide open and, you know, and sometimes we parents at the end of the night are going, if I only had that kind of energy. Because they have worn us out. But even children are going to collapse at some point. My kids would be running wide open. We'd put them in the car. wouldn't get to the end of the driveway. We'd look back and our son would be... <laughs> even the children are going to be exhausted at some point. But you have a God who doesn't. And then you get that beautiful word, but... Because we have this God who creates, because this God not only creates but sustains and is always at work in his world, giving power to the powerless and, and strength to the faint, that even though young people will falter, God will not because of all of that, but because of that, but those who then wait on the Lord, well, they shall renew their strength. Those who depend on God, well, they'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. And they will run and not faint because we have a God who doesn't faint but gives power to the weary. And therefore, you won't be weary because you'll be raised up. It's a message of hope. It's a message of encouragement. But there's a word there that's 
That's the word I wish they would leave out of the scripture. I mean, if, if we were going to take a word out, it, it wouldn't be the word but. I think that word's pretty important. If, if you were going to give me the right to take out one of the words, it would be the word wait. But those who wait on the Lord, that's not my strongest point, is patience. You know, I'm the kind of guy that prays, you know, Lord, give me patience. Like right now. Right I mean, I've shared with you before, there are two things you should never pray for. One is faith. The other is patience. Because the only way to get faith is to get it tried and tested. You know, I mean, you want to become stronger. You want to be healthier. You want to be able to run a marathon. Well, then you got to work out and you got to train. You want faith? You're going to have to work out and train. It does just come. And patience. You want patience? The way you get it is to exercise it. Oh, you want patience? Try Interstate 77. (laughs) I mean, you want patience? It doesn't just come easy. It's something you have to to work on. But those who wait, because the Scripture said, you know, God's understanding is unsearchable. We, We just don't always see what God is doing. And throughout the Scripture, you'll find that there there are problems when we get impatient with God and we try to push God's hand. I mean, just read Genesis and hear the story of how God said to Abraham, I I know you and Sarah are old, but trust me, you're going to have children. You're going to have descendants that are going to be as as numerous as the stars in the sky. And, and, And all of a sudden, Sarah's going, yeah, but we are old. And God is taking a while. I got an idea. And she goes, finds Hagar, the concubine, and brings him over and said, God said we're going to have kids, but I don't think God's going to pull this off on his own, so we'll help him a little bit. So here. And then look at the rest of the story. You'll see the enmity that goes on between brothers now because when we try to manipulate God and push God's hand, it just doesn't work. Or I love the story in Exodus where you know Moses goes up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, but, but people are going... He should be back by now. You think God really knew what he was doing when he called Moses up there? And pretty soon they're going, I don't think he's coming back. And people are going, yeah, this whole God thing may be overrated. You know, we may need to help God out a little bit. What do you want to do? I don't know. Got an idea. Everybody pass up your jewelry. We will melt it down. We'll find us something to worship. And they form it into a cab. Isn't that amazing? You know, that yesterday was an earring. Today it's my God. Brilliant. what happens when we don't wait for the Lord but we try to to push our own agenda over the agenda of God we worship earrings that we've turned into golden calves you see those who wait God is still at work you may not be able to see it and understand it but God is still at work and we all find our times, our lives in these situations where we start asking those questions. God, are you there? Are you real? Can you handle this? Is this problem too big for you, God? God, I really need you. I don't see you doing much right now. David saw it. Psalm 22, David, the greatest king in all of Israel, man after God's own heart, cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I need you the most. I just can't seem to find you anywhere. But later, Psalm 23, he says... Actually, the Lord is my shepherd, and I have everything I could possibly need. You know, Job is another one of those. Job was one of those guys that that tried to be faithful and was so faithful to God, but then 
the curveballs start coming his way and and all of a sudden, you know, he loses his family, he loses his home, he's inflicted with his own illnesses, and, and he's really beginning to struggle and be in despair, but thank God he had friends. Well, no, not Job's friends. You don't want Job's friends. Job's friends were the kind of friends that showed up and went, Job, you're in a mess. Yeah, duh. Well, what did you do? I didn't do anything. You did something. This is all your fault, Job. Oh, thanks for coming. Come back tomorrow. You do so much for me. He went through some challenging, difficult times and, and finally begins to question God. God, I don't get it. And, and, and soon God says back to Job, but Job, where were you when I created the world? And where were you when I fed the animals? And where were you when I established all these things? And Job, at what point will you really trust me? You know, it's easier in Sunday school to say I believe than it is out in the world to say I believe. And Job then answers the Lord in Job 42. He says, I know you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And I love Job 42, verse 5. It said, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear. You're right. I did go to Sunday school. I did go to youth group. I did go to Bible school. I did do life groups. I did Bible studies. But now my eyes see you. I had heard of you. But now I see you. I experience you. If you turn over from Isaiah 40 to chapter 41, you'll see another one of those underlying verses. It's verse 10, where Isaiah goes on to say these things. Do not fear, for God says, I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. These underlying verses, they're so powerful for a reason. They give us strength when we need it the most. And the children of Israel, oh, they were in a hole and they needed a word from God. And Isaiah reminded them, don't forget who your God is. But those, those who wait for the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Or put another way, it goes like this. And God will raise you up on eagles' wings. Will you pray with me? God, raise us up on the wings like eagles. Give us strength when we feel that we are so weak. And give us patience, we pray, that we can wait on you because we know and we trust that you have not abandoned us, that you would never bring us this far only to turn away. But you are at work in ways that we can't even understand. So we trust. We just trust. So renew our strength, we pray. In the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen.